What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hey guys, it's another New Vision Podcast. Cloud with you here, and we're back in Mark, going verse by verse. Thank you for tracking along with us. We're getting towards the end of the gospel now as Jesus, uh, we're in the middle of the passion narrative. Jesus has been betrayed and arrested. He's just had a sham of a trial before the Sanhedrin, the the religious groups in Jerusalem, and where they brought him before a so-called trial with a foregone conclusion that he be eliminated somehow, some way. They got to get rid of Jesus under any uh, excuse whatsoever. So they figure out, oh, he's guilty of blasphemy. And we heard that yesterday. So now today we're picking up in chapter 15 where they're handing him over to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. So they, they couldn't execute people themselves. They're under Roman, you know, civil authority is ruling, not these religious authorities. So now they have to appeal to the government. So they're taking Jesus to see Pilate. Uh, Pilate, as many of you know, he's, he's a uh, proconsul, kind of this puppet politician, you know, representing Rome. Uh, and he, Pontius Pilate, he's actually uh, kind of an interesting guy. He he didn't like the Jews. He antagonized them on many occasions. Uh, but at the same time, he is a politician. And so he's playing the game. He's, you know, he wants to do anything. You know, he'll make deals. He'll cut corners no matter who it is uh, to make sure that he is looked favorably on by Rome because he wants to keep the peace in that region. And there's all these um, threats of revolt and all this is stuff like we talked about a few weeks ago. So anyways, here they are bringing Jesus to see Pontius Pilate. This is Mark chapter 15, and I'm just reading five verses, verses one through five. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, You have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. In just a short few verses, this is one of the shortest accounts of this encounter. You kind of have to look to, to Matthew, Luke, and John to kind of fill in the gaps. But ultimately what was happening, you know, it's pretty amazing when you look at the details that the, the Jews, you know, the religious authorities, they're like, he's guilty of blasphemy. But what they take to Pilate isn't anything like that at all because Pilate wouldn't have cared. He's like, well, that's just a church matter. Y'all deal with that amongst yourselves. No, I'm not going to execute, execute a guy because he's blasphemous. I don't care. You know, so they, they, they accuse Jesus of, you know, being an insurrectionist. He's claiming to be a king, and uh, Caesar wouldn't stand for that, would he? Mm-hmm. And so he's he's not going to pay taxes, which we know is a blatant lie that Jesus said pay taxes. And so they're coming up with all these kind of um, you know accusations that are just absurd to get Pilate to to execute him because it wasn't there in in their authority to do so. And you put the other gospel accounts together, and Pilate realizes. Jesus was innocent and that they're they're just jealous and they they need an excuse to execute him. And so he knows what's up, but of course it's Pilate. And so 
the politician ends up handing Jesus over to be crucified and because he's afraid of people, of fear of man and what would happen in that region. And so he, he fears, he, he's people-pleasing and capitulates and eventually hands Jesus over. We'll see that more tomorrow. So in our notes, I wrote a couple things, and you're all like, man, this this episode is going to go on so long, and it's only five verses. So I'll try to be quick. <laughs> but um, the first thing I, I wrote is just this Jesus' response amazes me. I mean, that, that's a real profound point, but it really does. It amazes me. He is, they're making all these accusations that Pilate knew were, were made up. Jesus knows our blatant lies. Everybody knows what's going on. You know, they're probably suppressing it, but deep down, we know this is a sham. And Jesus, uh, he says one thing. He, he goes, you know, Pilate, are, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, you have said so. Which I'm like, why is he being so cryptic? Like, Jesus, defend yourself, but he doesn't do that. Jesus responds, you have said so, which if you looked at, you know, in the Greek, it's, it is worded really weird. I remember reading that for the first time, you know, as a Christian and not studying. I'm like, why is this? This is obviously written down in a very specific way that it's just, it's worded very strange. It's, it's obviously cryptic and Jesus, he's not defending himself. And so it's, it's what it is. It's an answer that's neither a direct affirmation, but Jesus is also not denying it. So he's like, are you saying you're the king of the Jews? Because Caesar's going to have a problem with that. Well, Jesus is like, mm, yes, I am a king, but not the kind you're thinking of. I don't think that is what you think it means kind of a thing. And so, and in other words, Jesus is, he's not, He's not playing their game, and which I find so amazing. He's neither confirming nor denying. Jesus is, you know, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm the ultimate king of the universe. So I'm not here. Yes, I am the king of the Jews. I'm king of everybody, but I'm not here like the king that they're making me out to be, this insurrectionist that's here to topple Rome. So it amazes me that he's being so cryptic in that way and that Jesus, even in this moment, has a much deeper and fuller meaning to his words that will stand for eternity than what he could have said by my earthly wisdom to, to get himself out of trouble. And so that, that leads me, you know, to something real practical. I think when we see this, obviously, I, th I don't think the practical takeaway from this is, you know, we shouldn't defend ourselves, but, you know, because other parts of scripture say that we'll, we'll be given words in those hours when we're brought under persecution, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself will help us to speak true words and to defend the gospel. But here, I think there's a, a something practical in the do not be so quick to, to defend yourself before the culture in a personal way. So Jesus, he's concerned. He could easily. I mean, Jesus, you're talking about here, the second person of the Trinity. He has gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with these Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees and all that over and over again and just won debates. He's the debate king. No one can beat him. You know, he created all the atoms and could snap his fingers and they would dissolve in an instant, it's, you know, but he's also having these great arguments with him and winning and he could easily defend himself. And so, but he's not doing that. And so I think, and the reason why is because he's ushering in a bigger and greater kingdom that Jesus is not defending himself so that he can defend us before our prosecutor and judge of God the Father, and he's going to intercede on our behalf. The only way that's possible is if he doesn't defend himself now in this sham of an earthly court and take sin 
and be sin for us on the cross and make that exchange so that he can be our defense lawyer before God the Father. And I think that's amazing. There's so much deeper thing there. But as a practical thing, so many times in our life, we we get into arguments, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter, whatever you're using nowadays for social media. We argue on there about politics and people get personal and you start defending your character and then they defame your character and you're going to fight them and like all that kind of stuff. And so we're really invested in that stuff. I think it's really easy for us to, well, I'm going to debate here and when it involves my personal character, when we should be more concerned, I'm not saying don't defend yourself. What I am saying is what we should be more concerned of is kingdom things, which is what Jesus is showing here. He's more concerned about bigger God, things of God, the kingdom, than he is about his own personal safety, this side of heaven. And so, I mean, I think personally, I, I personally have a hard time, you know, not speaking up when I see something that's not precise, like, oh, it's got to be correct. And it's got to be precise. Like, I got to, you know, say something and, you know, let alone something that I'm personally invested in, you know, like defending myself, my personal self, or my character. I, I have a hard time not speaking up against that. And I'm sure you all do too. And so I think that's uh, this this trial where Jesus is speaking here, or, or rather not speaking, is very, it gets, it gets me, it's sombering. It makes me think like, how many times have I just been so quick to get into it with people over things when I should be more concerned about the kingdom? And so, yes, Jesus's response amazes me. The second point I wrote down was that Jesus himself he saw to it himself that he went to the cross. Jesus saw to it himself that he went to the cross. A lot of times we'll say things like, well, Jesus was murdered for our benefit. And, and that's true. But Jesus, in another sense, wasn't murdered. He allowed himself and he saw to it, brought it to pass, these events. The sovereign creator of the universe brought these events to pass so that he was went to the cross. It was his plan. You know, he, he planned that out. And so... What's amazing, you know, they Jesus gives that cryptic answer. Pilate is amazed, and they start accusing him of all this other stuff, and he's like, you, you have no answer? And Jesus made no further reply, so that Pilate was amazed. He, he's silent. He just keeps his mouth shut. He's, he's concerned about the greater kingdom, and he is going to go to the cross. And this is amazing because this is Isaiah 53, verse 7, being fulfilled. It's a, it's a prophecy here in Isaiah. So this is Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And so Jesus is seeing to it that prophecy is being fulfilled. He is the Messiah that will die to rescue his people, not from a political oppressor, but from a sin oppressor that is in each and one of our hearts in the world, inside of us, that we are guilty before the real judge, God the Father, and that Jesus will be defending us on our behalf because of the cross. And Jesus saw to it that he went there. I hope that amazes you guys. That's blowing you away. That's a reminder, whatever it is to focus on Jesus. And that itself, in and of itself, is, is practical. And so I hope this helps you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.